ready. Thank you. Praise the Lord, everybody. Isn't the Lord wonderful? Aren't we like fired up in faith, believing in miracles? Is your God a miracle worker or what? Somebody say, miracle working God is up in this place. And his evidence is right in our midst. And I tell you, we can't let this moment pass because we believe, we talk about it, we read about it, we study about it, we remember stories about it, but it's nothing like when God shows up in our midst with a testimony that says when the devil said no, God said yes. Oh, you got to help me preach up in here today. Say when the devil said no, God said yes. So there are people in here right now, you are sitting in this seat because God said yes. They had counted you out. They said you would never be nothing. You would never go anywhere. That you couldn't get the money to go to school. All, all hell broke loose. But God said yes. Would you just jump on your feet and say thank you, Lord? My, my, my. Say thank you, Lord. Because if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side. Oh, God, I feel like preaching. Because <laughs> if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, where will we be? I was a little boy with learning disability, speech impediment, couldn't hardly read, looked like I was on a road to disaster, but God turned this situation around. <laughs> Not only can I read, but I'm working on my number eighth book, and it's 500 pages. I might have couldn't read, but I sure can right now. Touch your name and say, God did it. God did it. God did it. God did it. And that God is up in here right now, and he's living, breathing through you, and God has his hand on your life. Would you just nudge your neighbor and just tell them God's got his hand on your life? Say it like you truly believe it. God's got his hand on your life. God's got his hand on your life. Billers may roll and breakers may dash, but God's got his hand on your life. Oh, you've been through some stuff, but God's got his hand on your life. Hallelujah. You thought you were going to have a breakdown, but God just gave you a breakthrough. You see how that just kind of worked together? Because <laughs> he's got his hand on your life. My Lord, Father, I thank you for this church or this um, school. <laughs> thank you for this chapel. Thank you for this president and his wife. I thank you for all the leadership here. I thank you for the grand opportunity to be here with sisters and brothers who are seeking and believing that you have chosen them for such a time as this. Consecrate these moments. Consecrate these lips of clay. Prepare us to hear what the Spirit has to say to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. My Lord. I honor our president. Can we give the president and the first lady a great big round of applause? And the leadership of this university, will we give them a great round of applause? Are the, the vice presidents and the deans and the faculty? It is an esteemed privilege to be here today. Uh, my task is to preach to you, and I intend to do that. If you turn your Bibles to Two passages of scripture, a short Old Testament passage, Jeremiah 14, 22. Jeremiah 14, 22. 
I am grateful to not only be here today, but have found a family and friends that I truly admire and I'm so happy to be part of the family of God and the great work that you're doing here in Minnesota. Jeremiah 14, and then I'm going to go to the book of Acts. I know I preached from Acts last time, I know. <laughs> but um, Jeremiah 14, it says, do any of the worthless idols of the nation bring rain? This is from the NIV. Do any of the worthless idols of the nations bring rain or snow? <laughs> do, the, do the skies themselves send down showers? No, it is you, Lord our God. Therefore, our hope is in you. For you are the one who does all of this. Thank you, brother. If you turn to the book of Acts, chapter number 14, verses are 8 through 20. In Lystra, this is Acts 14, verses 8 through 20. Acts 14, 8 through 20, reading from the NIV. In Lystra, that's present-day Turkey area, there sat a man who was lame. He had been that way from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed, and called out, Stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lyconian language, The gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. But when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd, shouting, Friends, why are you doing this? We too are only human like you. We're bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God, who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all nations go their own way, yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. Even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to him. Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconian and, and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. And after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. The word of the Lord. Now, if you're in social media and you like to tweet while the preacher is preaching, that's you, you, you. I see it. No, just kidding. Uh, but you can follow me on social media. It's at D R A N T I P A S, at Dr. Antipas. That's number one, <laughs> at Dr. Antipas. And number two, I want you to tweet, get woke in Jesus' name. <laughs> That's the hashtag, get woke in Jesus' name. 
get woke in Jesus' name. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. preached a sermon three times that is not as, it is not as known that he preached this sermon three times as certain parts of the sermon are known. In 1950, around 59, he preached a sermon at Morehouse called Remaining Awake During a Great Revolution. In 1965, he preached the same sermon at Oberlin College. And in 1968, on uh, March the 23rd, uh, 31st, March 23rd, uh, 31st, 1968, only about four or five days before he was assassinated, he preached the same sermon at the uh, National Cathedral in Washington, D.C., remaining awake during a great revolution. And in that sermon, I, I won't uh, belabor explaining all of the sermon, only one part of it that strikes me as relevant to my sermon for today. And that is he opens up by talking about Rip Van Winkle, Washington Irving's Rip Van, Van Winkle. And he talks about how when Rip, we know that Rip slept for 20 years. But he points out that when he went up on the mountain in the story to go to sleep, there was a, a sign, a poster of King George the third, uh, uh, yes, and then uh, 20 years later, when he woke up, that same sign had a different picture on it, and it was George Washington, the first president of the United States of America. And he points out that not only did Rip sleep for 20 years, but Rip had slept through a great revolution. So much had changed, and he was not even aware of the change that was happening all around him. So when you go to sleep in one way and King George III is the king and you wake up and George Washington is president, not only have you slept and missed a lot, but you have missed the opportunity to contribute to the revolution. So sisters and brothers, uh, we are living in a great revolution. I like to call it a great departure. According to the Public Religion Research Institute, America's changing religious identity is happening right in front of our eyes. George uh, uh, Daniel Cox and Robert Jones write, and I quote, the American religious landscape is undergoing a dramatic transformation. White Christians, once the dominant religious group in the US, now account for fewer than half of all adults living in the country. Today, fewer than half of all states are majority white Christian. As recently as 2007, 39 states had majority white Christian population. These are two of the major findings from this report, which is based on findings from the PRRI's 2016 American Values Atlas, the single, single largest survey of American religious and denominational identity ever conducted. The religiously unaffiliated are those who identify as atheists, agnostic, or nothing in particular, now account for nearly one quarter or 24% of Americans. Since the early 1990s, this group was roughly tripled in size." End of quote. Another research report is in The Atlantic, and I quote, over the past decade, white millennials have embraced witchcraft in droves. Now, a parallel phenomenon is emerging among 
black millennials. While their exact numbers are difficult to gauge, it is clear that African-American pop culture has started to reflect this trend. In October 2018, the third annual Black Witch Convention, listen to me now, brought together some 200 women in Baltimore, Maryland, at a reception hall. The small but growing community points to the hundreds of young black women who are leaving Christianity in favor of the ancestors' African spiritual traditions and finding a sense of power in the process. There I say there are many who are also uh, in churches. Many are even getting ordained and being both ordained as a Christian preacher and as a pagan priestess. Just this week, there is a woman in Canada at a church who is a self-proclaimed atheist who is also the pastor of a church who said she can be a pastor and not believe in God. <laughs> I'm giving you all a lot of stuff to tweet out there. <laughs> so with sisters and brothers, we're living in a time where there's a shift, a great revolution happening. Just a few weeks ago, there was a popular on one weekend where it looked like there was a young white Catholic man, a, a boy, who was, um, who, you know, they had the story wrong in the media where they were saying that he was insulting this uh, Native American person only a few days to realize that, that he may not have been completely innocent, but there was another group that was fueling uh, the fire, and they're called the Black Hebrew Israelites. Yeah, they're all over the place. They're taking over in the, in the, uh, in the urban community. Uh, just there in Newport News, Virginia, uh, a friend of mine said that three churches were shut down on a Sunday morning where they came in as regular worshipers, only to stand up in the middle of worship and to blaspheme the faith. Yes, um, there's a young man who is um, a, a popular rapper who, who, who now, who his music, when he first came out, it sounded very religious. And many Christians were listening to it, although it was full of vulgarity, but he had some religious overtones. So they, they, they said, you know, he's a Christian rapper, only to find out a few records later that he's actually black Hebrew Israelite. Because his brother was a young, uh, the youth pastor at a church who wanted to be ordained, and because he was... Uh, abusing his uh, wife, uh, the church wouldn't ordain him, so he decided he got upset and left and joined the black Hebrew Israelites, and then he told his cousin that he was not black, he's an Israelite, so now he says, I'm a black Israelite. Just across town, there was a church that split uh, in half, and half of the church left because one of the deacons decided that he's a black Israelite. This group is now taking over much of the inner cities along and, 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 and among the black and brown particularly, while the five percenters and the science and consciousness and the Wiccans are taking over much of the white community. So, and my brother here said he knows them because many of you have had intersection with many folks from these who are struggling in this way on a landscape where young people are saying, I am spiritual, but I'm not religious. So they're seeking for this new way of connecting with the higher power that is separate from the power that we learn in chapel here at North Central University. Touch your neighbor and tell them, be woke. Be woke, be woke. 
We're living in an increasingly pluralized society. According to Pew study, nine in 10 Americans believe in a higher power, but just slim majority believe in God as described in the Bible. Belief in a higher power is even common among religious nuns, N-O-N-E-S, or those who identify as atheists or agnostic or nothing in particular. Meanwhile, about half, 48% of the United States adults say that God or another power directly determines what happens in their lives. Sisters and brothers, what I'm trying to express to you is that we're living through a great revolution. Oh, we're living through a great revolution, and this brings me to our text for just a few moments here. In our text today in the book of Acts, it tells us that Paul, while he's talking, he notices a situation happening right in his midst. He recognizes that I can't just meander in the wilderness of complacency. I can't just have a privatized spirituality and lift my hands and praise the Lord in his sanctuary without paying attention to what is right in front of me. And right in front of him, there was a man who was in need. There are many people right in our midst, right around us, who are standing in need. There I tell you, there are some people right here in this chapel today. You're in school. You're surrounded, you're surrounded by all of this worship and praise, but you're standing in the need. You're questioning your faith. You don't know if you're going or coming. You don't know if you still believe in the God that you were raised to believe because sometimes life can challenge you so, so, so severely that it make you worry about whether God even cares about you. But Paul recognizes he, he pays attention. Repeat after me, pay attention. You know why you need to pay attention? You need to pay attention because you got something. Oh, touch your neighbor and tell them I got something. I got something that the world didn't give and the world can't take it away. Say it again, I got something. I am the head and I'm not the tail. Say it again, I got something. I'm above and I'm not beneath. I got something. Oh, we got answers to the world's problem because God has given you something and that something is to respond to the need that is right in front of you. I got something. Oh, when I heard the Lord tells me, Antipas, you got something, it made me put straighten my back up because I came from a place where I felt like I was a little bit, I was in the back, and I, was, I didn't, couldn't read, and I couldn't talk, and I'd have the right connections. But when I got the Holy Ghost, I got something. You see, when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, God gives you something that the world needs, and you just can't use your Holy Ghost to lift your hands in chapel. You got to use your Holy Ghost to respond to the world's needs. Paul's said, I see you. Oh, he said, I see you. He looked at the man and he said, I see you. And when he said, I see you, he was ready to do good in response to what he had experienced, what he saw. Oh, hallelujah. I got to keep preaching. I wish I can stay there. I got something. Number two, lift up the name of Jesus in a pluralistic society because all around us there are so many people believing in so many different things that if we're not careful, we'll give up our identity. God said to me, I, don't, I want you to pray in a, in, a, in a context where there are going to be people from different religions praying, and I want you to pray in the name of God and don't be offensive. I said, well, it sounds like to me you're saying you don't want me to pray in the name of Jesus. He said, exactly, the name of Jesus is offensive. I said, wait a minute, you, you, I, I want to be affirmed. I want to be included. You, you're excluding me. 
Isn't that the popular thing today? Don't exclude nobody. I said, you are excluding me because Jesus' name is part of my identity. And there's no way I'm going to pray and I don't say Jesus' name. I can't help when I say his name, demons flee. I can't help when I say his name. He gave us his name to cast out devils. So when you pray, you say whatever you want to say. I'm going to bow my head. I'm going to affirm you. But when I pray, I'm going to need you to affirm me because when I say in the name of Jesus, oh, something is going to happen. So in a pluralistic society, I want to challenge you, don't give up the name. Because you're woke in his name. The way you're able to pay attention is because of his name. And if it had not been for the name of Jesus, who would I be? Where would I be? And where would I be going? Because the name of Jesus is the power that's going to transform the mores of society. The name of Jesus is the power that's going to respond to the great revolution that's happening. Touch your neighbor and say, get woke in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And we need to be woke because the church is in desperate, the world is in desperate need of love. And there is no love like the name of Jesus. There is no hope like the name of Jesus. There is no help like the name of Jesus. There is no joy like the name of Jesus. There is no peace like the name of Jesus. And if we have anything that we can offer the world in the power of the Holy Spirit is in the name of Jesus. Because the other gods can't make it snow. The other gods can't make it rain. Zeus can't do this. Hermes can't do this. But Jesus can do this in the name of Jesus. So no matter how educated you get, no matter how much Greek and Hebrew you learn, no matter how much philosophy you know, in the end of the day, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Please stand. The name of Jesus is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. The name of Jesus is a rock and safety. The name of Jesus is a rock that the builders rejected that has become the chief cornerstone. The name of Jesus is a name that you can, that I've seen that dead raised in the name of Jesus. I'm sure my sister was praying for her, for her son in the name of Jesus Christ because there is power in the name of Jesus Christ. My dad had a stroke one day, and I walked in the house that called us. My dad preached for 40 years, sitting on his bed and had a stroke. Mom called and said that your dad, uh, I think he's having a stroke. We walked in the house. My brother, about three of us were in town that, that weekend, just happened to be in town. When we opened the door, my brother went into tongues, and he started to speaking in tongues. I rushed to the back room, and I laid hands on, the, on his face, and I said, I rebuke you, stroke, in the name of Jesus. In just a few minutes, his face straightened up, and my dad hadn't had that stroke since. Devil attacked his body, gave him, he had kidney failure. Cryptococcal meningitis was taking him out. I woke up in the morning, I was praying to the Lord. The doctor didn't know what's wrong with him. And I woke up, I said, God, what is wrong with my dad? Doctor said that it was an, he says it's, a, it's an anomaly. I don't know what's happening. And, and, and the Lord said, spoke to me. I heard the, the Spirit of the Lord said meningitis. I never heard, known anybody with meningitis, but I called my mom and said, uh, I was praying, and the Lord said meningitis. Doctors say he doesn't have meningitis. I said, get him out of that hospital. Take him up to Atlanta, Georgia. We need to find out what's wrong with him. I, I flew in overnight, and when I got there, the doctor said, I don't know what the problem is. I said, check him for meningitis. He said, I don't think it's meningitis. I said, check him anyway. Two days later, he came back with the, um, with the um, report. He said, your dad's body is full of meningitis. And we would not have even checked it because cryptococcal meningitis is something that we don't usually check. We thought it would have been something else. And God healed his body because the Lord said while we were praying in his name, in the name of Jesus, meningitis. My dad is on the mend now. 
He's at home now. He's, God is healing his body now because the Lord spoke. Whatever you're studying, don't forget to pray in the name of Jesus during this great revolution. God bless you. And there may be somebody in here today who you're saying, I just want to be refueled in the power of the Holy Spirit so that I won't sleep through this great revolution. This time in the world is for you. You are here in this world right now for such a time as this. Don't sleep. Be woke. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes. Be woke. These altars are open. Some of us need to respond and let God's Spirit touch us and heal us and encourage us. Some of you have to go. Bless you. Have a great day. But come to the altar and let's pray. Let's seek God if we've got the time to do it. Bless you guys today.